welcome to episode four of the Buzz Podcast. I am Amanjit Singh. Joining me as always is Sukhneet, Jaskirat, and DK. In this episode, we have a deep discussion on the murder of George Floyd, the protest and riots that have followed, as well as the systematic oppression that has led us to this point. As always, we hope you enjoy the podcast and thank you for listening. guys episode four of the buys podcast welcome to the podcast pretty busy week for me this week so i work for a very popular retailer and we opened up stores this week so there was a lot of excitement among canadians among everyone uh to get back to shopping a lot of good shopping people got a lot of great deals so that was pretty exciting it's exciting to see that people are actually going out there and spending money and i think a lot of that has to do with trudeau giving everyone two thousand dollars a month so that was good to see we did about double our average sales for this time period in the year. So that's good to see. That's good to see people are spending money and we might not be in as bad of an economic situation as we originally thought. So how about you guys? What have you guys been up to? So yeah, I was in quite the pickle last week. Like you guys know, I couldn't go on a bike ride because my tube got punctured. So this week I went and I got that replaced and uh, me and Sukhneet, we went on a nice uh, bike ride here. And the next day it was beautiful weather again. So I wanted to pull out the bike, go for another bike ride. And as soon as I pulled my bike out, the front tire was punctured from the same exact spot. So I think there's something wrong with the rim or something. Uh, I still have to go get that checked out. I'm going to have to go back to the store. Yeah, funny story about uh, my bike as well. So last week I said I bought my bike and it was ready to come. So there was a little bit of a mix up there. So the store actually came back to me and they were like, we don't have this bike available. So the bike I purchased was the Trek Dual Sport and they said that that was no longer available. So they actually gave me a better model. They gave me a different model from a different company. It's called the Specialized Cross Trail. So it is worth about $50 more. So it's dangerous. So hopefully it's actually a better model and it's actually something that's good. There isn't much information online that I was looking at, but I'm going to say that it seems like a pretty good bike. It's from a pretty good company. So I'm excited about that. They haven't called me or let me know when I'm getting my bike. So I'm in the same situation as Jaskirat. They really don't want the Vice Bike Club to get going. I went on a nice bike ride today. Uh, thinking about getting a new bike because uh, the, the brakes on mine are pretty bad. Like I wanted to go up the, I wanted to go up this one hill, but I couldn't because I knew coming down, my brakes wouldn't be able to take and I'll probably end up crashing into a car. So I made the smart decision. But yeah, just pretty much that's all I, I can really do right now going on bike rides. But sometimes really muddy outside because I'm moving in a new subdivision. So can't really go on bike rides some days. You know, Wi-Fi guys took, you know, it's been a week. They come every other day. I don't get how it takes seven days to fix Wi-Fi. So the bikes are pretty much the only thing that's keeping me going right now. The other big news on in social media this week was the launch of uh, Sing Strength. So Sing Strength is making a huge return. News, huge. I was able to convince Sukhneet to come on board. So me and Sukhneet both launched the Sing Strength page. So for those of you that don't know, Sukhneet was the first ever baptized Sikh football player. That is not confirmed. That is confirmed. And there are articles on the web, which you can read saying that Sukhneet is the first ever baptized Sikh football player, if you guys want to find those. So there is proof out there. So if you guys want to go on the page, it's uh, at Sing Strength on Instagram. We're basically going to be putting out content that's for the everyday person, the beginner to intermediate level. So that's something that's new. That's something that's coming up. So look out for that. And also, if you guys haven't already followed us on Instagram or Twitter at the Bice, that's where the main page for this podcast is that's where our main interaction is so if you guys want to follow that page as well go ahead so this week uh you know how most of the godaras well not most like most of the big godaras have been closed but the smaller ones like 
people in Brampton know Jyot Prakash, Peter Robertson, because they're they've been open for people to take matha and like get prashad and come back in. But the, this week, uh, Malton Gadra also opened up. So on Guru Arjan Dev Ji Shidi, I went to Malton Gadra. Took matha, listened to katha. But yeah, so you know, this half this week was a uh, Guru Arjan Dev Ji Shidi, and the week it's coming up is uh, June. So like it's a time to reflect, I think, for uh, all six. And uh, a good thing to reflect, especially with Guru Arjan Dev Ji Shidi this week, was like some I think big pillars or like big sikya we get from uh, Guru Arjan Dev Ji's uh, life is first Satkar Bani, right? Like Guru Arjan Dev Ji did Satkar Bani more than themselves, and we can see that that they had uh, uh, like the sroop of uh, Ad uh, Granth on a higher plung. And they used to sleep on the floor. And the second uh, biggest, uh, like one of the second like important lessons we can get from uh, their jivani is that accept the hukam or pana, right? Jo shidi hoisi, any kya like onne ardas ni kiti ja jadi like apni koi shaktiyan ja horkosh ni vatiyan ek pana jada si tati tavi the bage the jade tasiye muslimana dete saare saya, hana. So on a more serious note, those are like some of the important things we can take from Guru Arjan Dev Ji's jivani. Yeah, definitely a really important time to reflect. Like I, I had a very brief time where I was able to spend some time with Bhagat Jaswant Singh, who most people know as Bhagatji. And one of the things that he's constantly talking about and constantly saying at the beginner level is something called Shiddi Jap, which is remembering the Shiddi of Guru Arjan Dev Ji, because that just puts a lot of stuff in perspective for you. And when you're doing Simran or Seva, that will help you stay grounded. That will help you stay in a level mindset because that will be, that is the ultimate sacrifice, right? And if you're constantly remembering that, you all you always stay in a humble state. So I think remembering and reflecting on this time period is also very important for all six. And it got really hot really quick for those few days uh, here in Toronto as well. We had that heat wave going on. So that was a really good reminder as well that this was the heat that was happening, occurring in India at that time. And that's when Guru Arjan Dev Ji was Jaskirat, what do we have this week? Uh, so one of the biggest things that's been happening uh, these past few days, and it's actually shocking news, is that uh, a, a black male, George Floyd, he was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis. And uh, he was accused of uh, using, I think, counterfeit notes or something. And uh, there's actually there's a, actually a video as well. And, and initially, I, I didn't really want to watch that video as well. It's a, it's a tough thing to watch. And then uh, I watched as well. And it's uh, it's pretty disturbing the way the, the officer is just knee, has his knee on the George Floyd's neck and uh, is basically just strangling him and there's a few bystanders as well and uh, from that there's there's been uh, riots and protests have really erupted all around the US especially in Minneapolis yeah when I, when I first saw that video I was looking at it and you know I heard about George Floyd uh, dying and I, and I was watching the video and I see him on the ground with the officer on his knee I'm like okay this minute you know this video is about to end like where does he die then it hits me like wow like he literally dies under the knee of the, of the police officer like that's just like that's you know like it is crazy but like if you look at america and their history with this kind of stuff like you know it's kind of it's getting the point where can you even say it's crazy anymore right like like the like like it still is but like it's just it's ridiculous like the racism in america the white supremacy and pretty much the point that we're getting at then and what you said with all the riots and everything right you have a lot of people that are angry at all the, the you know all the rioting and all the stealing whatever's going on down there but you don't hear anyone talking about how a black man lost his life. Another black man fell victim to the police, right? Again, it's pretty much just the whole narrative being shifted. Oh, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Because, like, you know, it gets to a point where you can only be peaceful so long, right? Like, how long can a 
peoples be oppressed to the point where they say enough is enough, right? And that's something that we're witnessing in Minnesota. And this is something that United, the United States and you know, the institutions, the people, the people in power, right? White people, you know, even especially the, the racist, right? Like this is something that needs to change or this is only going to get worse, right? This is only going to get worse. And it's surprising because the police officer that did this, he also has previous accounts where he's killed people of color like this in from a position of power. I also did not want to didn't want to watch the video first when it first came out, right? Because I'm like, yo, watching someone basically die. It's like it's not something you just want to watch out of thing, right? But I feel like it's something everyone or like if they can, they should try to watch it and see how heartless and like I don't know how a person can be like that. Like they just someone under their knee and they're begging for their their, their life. They're begging for air and just nothing. They don't like that police officer did nothing. But also I don't know if you guys saw this, but if you've seen the initial report of the police officers of their story before like the whole video came out it was that on duty there's a medical uh, there's a medical problem and that person just died it didn't mention anything about the officer having uh, their knee on the person it didn't mention anything about anything else it just made it seem like something just happened like it was a chronic basically death that just happened out of nowhere but uh, like it gets me thinking that if the video hadn't come out this wouldn't have been in you this wouldn't have been in the news this wouldn't have been anywhere it would have just been thrown out on the side like uh, or accidental death right and like this is one case but how much how much does it happen in america where black men or like black people in general are just killed yeah and it just like when it's not filmed or when it's like people don't witness it like it's just disregarded or put on to the side right even in uh, georgia right like uh, the, the news came out i think it was a, a black teenager black man uh it was going for a jog and two guys pretty much just like massacred him broad daylight the guy was just going for a jog and we found out about that two to four months later right it took all that social media attention it took all the public attention took the public outcry for these guys to get i don't even know if they got charged but like pretty much for someone to do something about it right and even then they really haven't done anything right like like that's how long it took and like 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 you said dk like if there was no public outcry there was no video of any of these incidents getting out are we where we're at right and from another video we see that there is no george floyd wasn't even resisting arrest or anything either he was complying and even still all this happened like this shouldn't be a story this should not happen in any case we should not be hearing about this right this should have not been a thing it's really like it's it's such a low bar it's such a like tragedy that this is a thing and it's not normal thing in america yeah and just pretty much like from the second they, they you know you see the police officer approach approaching his door they're just grabbing him you know they're already just they already got him you know like just pretty much just because that is a black man right like put that same situation where it's a white guy right does he get treated the same way and also saw a video where like they're you know on one angle you only see the one officer with his neck with his knee on his neck and then there's another angle where there's two more officers on top of him like this guy's not resisting like he's not a danger and you have three officers on top of this guy like that like that's just that's ridiculous and when and like yo, when someone's begging for air and begging like yo, just let me, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, not for a minute or two, for nine minutes straight, yeah. right? That's that just lacks humanity, mm-hmm. right? That person isn't a good human. That person should rot in hell. That's just it's ridiculous, man. Like I, I'm at a loss of words. I don't really like I have a lot to say, but I'm I'm still like at a loss of words of like you know to try to you know explain you know this kind of situation. It's just it's just that messed up. So this is a really really tragic situation, especially for George Floyd and his family. And I think 
in this in these situations the first thing that tends to happen and is that they try to make this guy look like a criminal right so the first thing we should talk about is George George Floyd himself so George Floyd was just Kira said he was accused of he wasn't even accused of committing this crime he just matched the description of someone who had done some kind of forgery which is using counterfeit bills which is not like if i would say that's a non-violent crime right so there's ways to treat criminals and you can pretty much split them down by violent crime and non-violent crime right and the way you approach someone so there's tons of people that do a lot more damage that do ponzi schemes and all of that stuff which is doing a lot more damage to the economy which are non-violent crimes and those people pretty much if they ever go to jail go to some kind of like clubhouse jail where they can play tennis and all that stuff right so thinking about it like that so first of all this is how you're handling a non-violent criminal is just something that's extremely disturbing i would understand if this guy is a violent criminal you can use force you can put him to the ground if this guy had shot someone if he had abused a kid or something like that then you have some kind of right to do that but this is how you're treating a non-violent guy who the whole video the whole time on every angle is showing that he he's complying he's not doing anything wrong the other important thing to point out is he's he was really good friends with Steven Jackson who's an NBA player so that really put a lot of credibility towards him that that's hasn't been the case with past issues where famous people haven't really known these people who have been killed so this is someone who's very respected in the media world and if he's saying and if he's like standing up for this guy as a close friend and he's saying this is the type of person he was that goes to show that you can't really put a mark against his character you can't be like oh this guy was on drugs he, he was arresting resisting arrest there's a, there's a lot that you can't say about that so just breaking it down in terms of the technical move that the officer was doing i think you can call this nothing other than murder and the officer was uh charged today but also the yeah. four officers around him all of those guys are equally responsible and should equally be yeah. charged with murder especially that chinese officer and that was really disturbing to see especially that police culture that's like built where you're not going to rat out another police officer no matter what he's doing and you see this a lot in movies and stuff it's that police culture where even bad cops they they stick up for other cops and if you rat someone out you're pretty much done and like that's such a big thing like internal affairs internal investigation or whatever you call it is considered the big enemy for police officers when they're going around and doing all this abusive stuff and it's that it's that power that really trips these people so there was another woman who said that George Floyd and uh, the officer both worked together at a at a club i think it was a nightclub so they were both doing security So they might have known each other. She did say that they worked at the same time. Uh, I think the the club owner came out and said that mostly uh, the police officer he worked outside while the George uh, Floyd used to work inside the club security. It's it's not like 100% confirmed, but anytime you work with someone, you see them, you know them, right? Like you you should have that kind of interaction especially when you're working that close. And that's my other point is what type of people do we have in the police force? What type of people do we have in these powerful positions like even like the people who are bouncers and police officers like you see them these are people that for the most part not all of them i wouldn't say even for the most part i'll take that back i would say there is a there's a part of that group that is super power hungry 
and they want to be in control. These are like the same people like in high school that were bullying people that were like taking advantage of them and being ultra aggressive towards them. And now they have a badge and they have like a shield, which is giving them a legal justification to go out and abuse people. Like if you look at uh, the officer's record, he was involved in so many shootings and so many other things. Like I think there's a list of like 11 or something ridiculous number of incidents that he was involved with. The police department at that point should like notice that this is a recurring effort. And with this recurring effort, like what is what is going on? Why are we not getting rid of these type of people? Right. And then it's also what kind of tools are we giving them? If we're giving them guns and stuff like that, where someone who's not that comfortable with themselves, who's not that comfortable in a situation, they're going to go to their weapon as soon as possible. They're going to go to their weapon. They're going to go to whatever they have. And in this case, it wasn't a shooting, but there's been many cases in the past where it's been a shooting where people are just so trigger happy. And that's not something that should be happening, right? First of all, police officers should be trained to use their words that should be the first thing that comes. They should be able to use their words. They should be able to handle the situation. And they should also have some kind of martial arts uh, training. So right now, police officers do do courses and do do training, but I don't think it's up up to the standard. So if this guy had like a black belt in jiu-jitsu, he would know how to handle this guy in a better way, be able to take him down. And this is for other situations. Because like in this situation, it was peaceful. He wasn't resisting or anything, right? He didn't need to put his knee on his neck. And that really was extremely disturbing. And again, going back, like that was murder. So like, if you look at someone who's breaking down like a jiu-jitsu move, I'll get back to my previous point after. But if you're breaking down a jiu-jitsu move, if you're doing like something like a, like a triangle choke or another kind of choke, it only takes like 30 seconds or like even fewer than that, 10 seconds if it's placed correctly, that that person goes out. And in this case, this guy, what he's doing is much worse. He's putting all his weight on his neck for a period of five to 10 minutes. So that's the result that's going to happen. You're going to have someone who dies from this because it's a much worse thing that you're doing. This is worse than even if he had him in a choke with his arms, because if he had him in a choke with his arms, his arms would eventually get tired and he would let go. Whereas this, he just had his weight on top of him the whole time. And the pavement was also pressing against him. So this is like, the police officers around him, the other people that were with him, they should have known that this is something that's going to kill him. And there was another man who was standing in the same, like at the same time. And he was like, I think it was a black man. And he was telling the officer, like, this is what's going on. This guy is killing this guy. And they weren't listening. So it is overall, overall very disturbing. And going back to my point about the training, they should have some kind of training where they can take in other situations as well, where they don't need to rely on their weapon, where they can rely on certain techniques, where they can hold people or they can do stuff. And the police force should be kept to a certain standard where people are strong enough that they can handle themselves and not be afraid and not have to use certain weapons uh, when they need to use them. So yeah, pretty much going off of what you were saying. So you have these cops who, you know, might feel more privilege, uh, feel more power, you know, the gun and the badge it gives them. Then you add in their own racism, their own preconceived notions of certain people. And that adds a whole different ball game. Right. And even going off of like, maybe you could teach the police officers more, uh, more techniques, more uh, self-defense techniques, not self-defense. That, that's the wrong word to use, but more techniques where they can maybe resolve a situation without violence. But I feel like even that can still be abused, right? Because if you still have that same officer who still has those racist views, who still wants to kind of exert that on other people, you know, black people, people of color, he still is going to use that. 
right? And then obviously, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, that could work. But, you know, we don't really live in a perfect world, right? We live in a world where a lot of white supremacists, a lot of racist people, they are given power in this country, right? And they use that. Then the gun and the badge pretty much, even George Floyd is pretty much getting choked out by the officer. Why didn't anyone go tackle that officer down, you know? Because they knew what the consequence was going to be. They knew that they'd have a bullet in their head if they were to try something like that, right? That's just the power that the badge gives them. So uh, another thing that I saw during uh, all this was happening was CN, uh, a CNN reporter got uh, arrested, right? Yep. While he was reporting, a black CNN reporter got arrested while he was reporting uh, the riots and everything. He was just asking the police, where should we move? We're complying with you. And him and his whole crew just got arrested. And like, I think that just plays into the, right? That plays into that, like that racism and that, that, like the police they just fear not just the, like the media and the racism that's yeah. in, like what, what was he guilty into nothing well, being black pretty much being black in america right that's pretty much a life sentence for you right the way it's going on down there i i completely agree with the point where there is definitely a level of racism built in to the police departments especially like if you look at like the baltimore police department there was a huge level of systematic racism which was going on where over time, they were arresting, pulling over, planting weapons on people, planting drugs on people, putting them in jail. There's a huge level of racism. There's a huge level of stuff that goes on where the minorities, in particular black people, I think some in some areas it's probably Spanish people, are getting picked on and they are getting unfairly punished. There's a whole other level which we don't get into, which is a court system. So... If you guys think that the arresting of people is racism, you guys don't even know how big of a problem it is on the other side, right? So on the in the in the court system where these guys are getting sentenced to jail, everyone in America is like the whole story is always everyone gets a right to a trial, everyone gets a right to defend themselves, right? But that's not necessarily true, right? So if you can't afford a good lawyer, if you can't afford someone someone better than a public defender, who has multiple cases and multiple people that they're trying to deal with, you are going to not get the same justice that someone who has a good lawyer is going to get. You're not going to get that same level of justice. And the simple fact is that's just the way that the system's made. So prosecutors, what they do is they will offer you a deal. So they'll offer you a deal. So let's say you do some petty crime and we're offering you 10 years in jail, right? you know that you didn't do this deal. There's many cases of this where the person is like, I'm not guilty of this, or they can be proven innocent. In those situations, the prosecution's like, if you don't take our deal, you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail, right? So if you can't defend yourself, we're going to give you 25 years. So the person is like, I'm not going to get a fair trial. I might as well take the 10 years. That's the level of racism which happens in many cases where people just don't understand that's the true racism that's going on. So the police brutality is obviously a huge problem, but the bigger problem is the number of people that are ending in ending up in jail because they don't have the right to a free trial. Just going back to the original point where this man wasn't accused of the crime. He just met a description, right? So if you find someone who meets a description and that person can't defend themselves in certain cases, like I was watching a case where, so this guy was offered three years in jail. He didn't do the crime. But the other thing was, if he didn't take the deal, the prosecution was going to go after him for 15 years. So he's like, I'm going to just play the odds, play the numbers and 
say that I'm guilty, even though he wasn't actually guilty. That's, that's the big problem. That's the, that's the thing that's like really, really setting people back and what we need to really talk about. That's kind of what Sukhneet was talking about, that it's all systematic. Like these people are first of all being stereotyped and arrested based on just the color of their skin. So that's what's funneling them into the system. Yeah. And then that system is, isn't doing, doing them any justice at all. Like even look at just Corona, police was treating different, different areas, different citizens uh, differently. Like there's people out there that were protesting, oh, we want freedom. Nothing's being said to them. In regular areas, people are walking and the police is going up to them, arresting them, giving them tickets, doing all sorts of things. Yeah, even uh, going off what you said, you know, even like you see a lot of, you know, white people that go to City Hall, they protest, even America, especially, right? Militias, nothing done, right? But you see if, you know, there's people of color, it's a whole different ballgame. And even uh, going off what Amanji said, it reminded me of a show that I watched, I think last year. It's like a documentary series uh, called The Central Park Five. That's like a prime example of what being black in America can do to you. And these were young kids. And the parents, like, I don't want to spoil too much for you guys, but pretty much the parents in these, in the documentary, they told their kids, just whatever the cops say, do it. Because, you know, we, we're black and we're in America. Regardless of what happens, we're going to get the shoulder under the stick if we don't cooperate, right? So that's a really, it's a, it's a bit triggering. So, you know, just a little trigger warning for you guys. But that's definitely, the, you know, it's a prime example of this. The one thing I will say in regards to protesting and all of that, protesting is your right and you should go protest and you should always make sure that you do it in a law abiding way. I, I am against, I'll say that fully, I'm against like any type of violent protest where people are rioting and breaking stuff. And the reason for that is that you're not really sending the right message to the right people. If you were getting justice, and I think a lot of people do this out of anger and they do it out of the reason that they don't feel like they're getting justice and that's what they're doing, but that doesn't make their actions justified. I think that breaking down property and doing all of that, you're really just damaging your own house. You're only damaging your neighbors. You're damaging people around you. So especially like small businesses and other businesses that are getting broken into and a lot of stuff is being stolen out of them. That doesn't really do anyone any good. That doesn't get you what you want in the end. Then I think based on that, I get that people are upset and I get that what happened was wrong and these officers should go to jail for life and it should be taken very seriously it would be a very big injustice if that doesn't happen but the looting and all of that that is definitely something that i can't say is right i think like i wish we lived in a world where violent protest wasn't required right because obviously peaceful protests ideally in an ideal situation peaceful protest gets you what you want gets you what you want right but that's just not the world we live in right it's very unfortunate that sometimes civil disobedience does need to get violent and in this situation like if you are a black man in America, how, how much longer can you take oppression? How much longer can you see your brothers being killed in the street? How much longer can you be lynched in the middle of the street in broad daylight by police without taking another step, right? Because it just gets to a point where you can't, you can't take it, right? It just gets to that level where sometimes when you do take civil disobedience in a violent manner, it is, that'll get a response out of the government, right? Now that can go both two ways. It can be good. It can be bad. But I'd say that these protests are justified because this isn't the first killing. This isn't the last killing. This hasn't been happening for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. This has been happening for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. This goes back to slavery. That's how deeply ingrained this is, right? So if you are a black man in America, think about that, right? Think about your identity. Think about everything that's been stripped of you. You know, that's something that we can relate to as a part of colonization. But, you know, we weren't 
enslaved the same way, right? Like the same way that America is built up. So just a level of oppression and frustration and centuries of oppression on ty- the, on, on people, it, it'll do this to you, right? And sometimes this is what you have to do to get a response from the government. This is what you have to do to make change happen. So for peaceful protesting, one thing that we see is the response by the police isn't peaceful, right? Police come out with tear gas and just attack, like people that are peacefully protesting, they attack them. So like, so a revol- like a response to that is just rioting. Like if I'm there peacefully protesting and then somebody's hitting me with tear gas, they bring out riot gear before it's even a riot, right? What do you expect to happen then? Even Twitter flagged Donald Trump's tweet that when there's looting, there's going to be yeah, shooting. Like, like you get that from a president of the United States. Like he does not condemn the racism. He doesn't condemn the killing. Even the Central Park case, he was all for uh, putting these, sending these uh, black kids to jail. And this guy's saying, if you guys don't stop looting, we're going to start shooting. Well, what about all that racism? What about that centuries of oppression? What about that, right? You're, you're worried about if there ain't going to be, uh, if the looting ain't going to stop, we're going to send the National Guard. You know, like I've said it many times. I'll say it again. Donald Trump is a joke. And this isn't the first time he said something like this. Even if you go back to the, I believe it was the Charlotte. Uh, yeah, it was Charlottesville, North Carolina. There was uh, white supremacists at the rally. And then what did Trump have to say about it? There's very fine people on both sides. Like, no, there wasn't. You had white supremacists on the other side. And those are very fine people. The Pretty much the, the head of the Ku Klux Klan has quoted Donald Trump, has been quoted as saying Donald Trump is going to give us the America that we need, the white America that we need. So, it, 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 you know, this isn't this problem didn't start with Donald Trump. But when the, the president of the United States is enabling this kind of rhetoric, these kind of actions, you got a whole nother ballgame now. Like this is like the United States that wants to be human rights setters, that wants to be the example, who goes to Iraq, who goes to the Middle East to liberate them, to show them the better life. Like, like this is this is ridiculous, man. Like, like this guy should have never been president ever. Like he has no business being president. I'd say that it's not just Donald Trump as well. So like, even if you look at Joe Biden, like what he said on uh, Charlemagne's uh, thing this week, it's, Mm -hmm. it's all over the place. It's like, these guys are just politicians at the end of the day, right? They're going to say what they want their people to hear. They're going to say what the people that are voting for him want them to hear. Donald Trump didn't want to alienate that group. And that's why he said it. If it was another group, which is more powerful, if it was black people, which were more powerful, he would have said something for black people. It's just the nature of politics and how the game is played. But and that it, still it is, doesn't make it right. No, it doesn't make it right. And no one's saying no one's saying it's right, right? So the murder was definitely wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was murder. There's no other way to put it. It was it wasn't it wasn't manslaughter the way they're saying. He got charged with manslaughter. That's some BS. No, that it, it was murder and the other four, the other three cops which were around him, they should all be charged with murder. I think the, the main cop was charged with manslaughter, but like that that wasn't no manslaughter. He was charged with the third degree murder and manslaughter. Yeah, that wasn't no third that was second, degree. No, I, I that, think that second degree no for sure. Everyone's saying second. Yeah. So like one, you know, like going off what Amanji said about Joe Biden, like something that, you know, I kind of found interesting that I learned in the last year, pretty much Joe Biden saying that at times you got to work with segregationist senators to pretty much get stuff accomplished. So pretty much, yeah, like Joe Biden isn't innocent of this either, right? Like, and, but that still doesn't take away from the fact that what Trump is doing. And it's, it's, I'm really, I'm extremely disappointed that in the next presidential election it's going to be joe biden versus it's, it's Trump. really like, the the past two they haven't really been able to find good candidates on both sides and that's just disappointing and it's 
it speaks to like the social media world we live in, where it's just like Donald Trump is winning because he's so good at those clip clickbaity arguments. And he's like so good at like calling people like Sleepy Jeb or like he can call someone a name and those little names and he and they can't they can't seem to like work against them. So he's really winning that side of things. He knows how to use Instagram. He knows how to use Twitter. He knows how to like create short phrases like make America great again, those phrases. And th- like he's he's doing what, what he's doing is like a really effective way of marketing in this century and that's why he's winning because he can get a crowd together he can get people to rile up again like behind him and i think people feel like they don't have a voice all over the place and i think that's one of the reasons they went with trump is because they were just tired of the same old stuff the same old promises that were broken over and over again so they wanted something new they wanted someone who wasn't a politician right and that's why he wasn't really fit for the job but they wanted someone from the outside to come in and do the job because they they were tired of the people who were doing the job well that's where like populism comes in right donald trump being able to like pretty much uh, mobilize a certain area of voters and just catering to their interests uh, right. And uh, and even like going off of like the Democrats, I don't really think it was the Democrats not being able to bring the right candidate. I think it was the Democrats pushing a certain uh, certain ideology of politics. Right. Like if you look at like who they had, like, you know, even with like for Bernie, they consider Bernie way left leaning. Even when every single like, candidate out of the Democratic primary, when they dropped out, how many of them supported Bernie? Right. How many of them? even voiced concerns about Joe Biden, but they still support Joe Biden, right? Because for them, it's about being that center leftist. It's about even their own interests, right? Because if Joe Biden is elected president, they might get more benefits out of that. Even the Democrats themselves, they don't want to get too leftist, right? We don't want to get too socialist up in here. We still want to keep a little bit, you know, we still want to keep that capitalism alive and well. They want someone who's going to toe the party line. I think that's the major thing. They want a candidate who's going to toe the party line, who's going to do what the party wants. And they need a candidate who's going to basically be a puppet for that. And that's what they have in Joe Biden. Pretty much. It's it's a shame that that's the two uh, candidates for the next election. Really, you need more than two parties in order to have a good system. You need probably three parties where, because I think it's so like one of the things we talk about a lot is why we have to pick a side, right? Like, so why can't I have some views which... I like from one party and have views from the other party. And like, why can't I vote Republican and not be called a racist automatically? Right? Like why, why is that the way that the world works? And why is that the way, like even Joe Biden's comments were exactly that, right? Like if you vote Republican, you're automatically a racist, you're automatically not black. I don't agree with that. I think you should be able to pick and choose certain ideologies from all over the place. And you shouldn't have to put yourself in two different buckets and the country shouldn't be run like that. Well, if you look at that, like if you look at the Republicans under Donald Trump, like could you say that they haven't been being racist when you go to the immigrant ban, the Muslim ban, uh, the treatment of black people, the treatment of minorities, uh, the treatment of migrants, taking kids away, putting them in prison pretty much, right? So I feel like under Donald Trump, you definitely can. And you could even say like pretty much the tendencies of Republican Party are, you know, not as much catered towards minorities, right? It's more about securing the borders, more about the money, right? It's not really about minorities. That's why more minorities, they mostly vote for the Democrats. I totally agree with that. But then you can also look at like, uh, if you look at Barack Obama and the situation that happened in Flint, right? The people in Flint thought that Obama was going to come and help them. But what Obama did was he went there and did a press conference where he was like, oh, no, this water's fine. And then he drank the water where that was such a huge issue of systematic oppression, where the governor of Michigan was not caring for these people in Flint. But and then Obama came on top where these people were like, yeah, this is one of our people. He's going to help us. And he came and he did nothing. I think it goes 
goes both ways, right? It's just the mm-hmm. whole system. It's just the politics. And like, we can have this debate another day in terms of like the system, like if we should have a president, how the system should be set up. And overall, there is some sort of need for change. There is some sort of need where people aren't just looking at lobbyists and aren't just looking at groups where they are looking at their best interests in terms of making money and going that way. I think that we need a system where the politicians are looking out for the people. That'd be ideal world. And that'd be a very ideal world to live in. So another thing uh, I think we should also mention is that we like, we're, we're talking about this, like, oh, this happens in America, but Canada or like even Toronto itself is not far removed from this, right? I think a lot of people compare, like, we compare ourselves to America. Oh, we're better than them. But America is, is such a low bar that we should not be comparing it. Like we shouldn't be like, oh, we're better than them. Yay, give us a medal. Right? It's not the best thing to be the best in the last. Because our history books, our history classes, our school curriculum doesn't teach us about the racist history of Canada. They teach us a little bit about residential schools. But even today, like look at the indigenous populations, right? Like look at the the pollution of the land. Look at their the treatment of them. Look at the amount of m- uh, murdered and missing indigenous women. Um, look at they, they don't have clean drinking water, right? Like I think uh, I forget which politician said this, but if it was Toronto that didn't have clean drinking water, that that problem would have been solved yesterday. But that's not the case, right? Like, it's just, and, you know, also goes beyond Indigenous people. But, like, Indigenous people, that's kind of, like, one of the most aff- affected and neglected communities. How bad is it the fact that there's a bill, like, Bill 21, that st- exists and was passed just in, in, in our time period right now, right? Like, you hear, like, we all face it, faced racism in, uh, like, schools and whatnot. But the fact that institutionally, there's an entire province of Canada where like none of us can get a government job there just because of how we look. I was applying to co-op jobs and I saw a bunch of amazing jobs that I'm interested in. And I saw that in Quebec and my heart just sunk. I'm like, man, like, like I can't apply to a government job in my own country. Like this is Canada. We like praising ourselves for multiculturalism. And this is the country we live in. And no federal leader has really done anything about this either. Right. Like no one's done anything. No one's spoken out about Bill 21. Yeah, that was a big issue during the election. Right. So even Jagmeet Singh, he like flip flopped back and forth where he was like, I, I don't support Bill 21. And then he was like, I support the people in Quebec's rights to do their own stuff. There was a lot of flip-flop and this goes back to the point of the politicians where they're just going to do what is in their best interest at the time. Yeah, so even with indigenous people, right? Like the way they live now, like all of them are pretty much in poverty, but just the whole level of oppression that's happened to them over time, they haven't been able to educate themselves. They haven't been able to push forward. They are very much stuck in drugs and alcohol and tobacco and all of that stuff and i don't know how we can get out of like this type of racism how we can get people at like a certain level there definitely should be a way and it should be something that our government is focusing on but the problem with again another problem with our system is we have four-year elections or five-year elections where we have to have a certain level of results where we don't really focus on long-term things we focus on things that is going to affect us in the next election right so i i'm not for giving someone more power over time because again what we've seen from this police situation is giving people more power and even the power of the badge like people get power hungry people get drunk off their own power that's not the solution but what is a solution where 
people don't have to necessarily worry about the next election and they can do long-term projects or some sort of way, some sort of system where we can find a way to convince these people, convince the people that are at a lower level that they don't need to sell drugs. They don't need to do this or, or that in order to make a good career. They can do something else and they have a system. They have the facilities to do it. They have libraries. They have all this stuff and they can, they can achieve whatever they want. Well, for them, it's not really a choice. Like they don't really, you know, sell drugs and all that by choice. Like even if you look at uh, the conditions on reserves, right? Like if you ever seen a video or any of that, like none of this is by choice. There's very oppressed, very underfunded. Even a lot of the deals they make with the government for their land is pretty much like a lump sum payment. Then it's like, okay, yeah, you guys are off on your own. Uh, not a lot of government help. And this is a kind of like a minority thing, right? Like when with the minority population in a country, they don't really get treated right. If you can look at us six in Punjab, we, we don't really, we're like 2%, 4% of the population. Who cares about us? Similar thing with the indigenous people. How many people are actually passionate about indigenous rights that that is going to affect how who they vote for? Uh, Sukhni, I had a question about the land stuff. We talk about like, yo, they have their land or whatever, but and we like we give them the programs so we can help them out. But also, don't we take away their land with that whole pipe situation? I think you might know more. So it's pretty much like the pipelines are getting made on indigenous lands. Those lands belong to indigenous people. Um, one thing that uh, even like Stephen Harper did under his government, he really brought back the environmental uh, assessment process for like, just pretty much pumping out infra- infrastructure. And then even like the recent uh, protests we saw in Northern Ontario about indigenous people that was over pipelines that was over the government making pipelines on indigenous people's land that the government did not have the right to do but you know that pretty much just comes down to the economy right it's all about the money it's all about the economy they don't really care about indigenous people because similar to us in Punjab they're a very small percentage of the population if you piss that population off and not enough people care about that issue to for them to influence their vote are they really going to do anything about it I think that plays into the systemic uh, oppression thing right like they've been over so many years been conditioned to like oh you have to like do this or like this is the things you can do or like they basically reduced them to so much well when our parents came here or the generation before they came here they came here in better conditions that we didn't have any of these rules against us that are locking us down we had the opportunity to grow while they've just been in that like cycle where they just don't get out much it's more than just small populations as well right like some small populations they have they have power right so like let's look at the the sick population in canada right we have like five ministers right now and we have like a number of politicians we totally out index our percentages whereas the indigenous people they literally have like no one they might have one or two people that are representing all of them and obviously they're not going to have power in that situation because they don't have the right people in the right situations they don't have any lobbyist groups they don't have anything like that the only thing that they really have a power is that like certain parts of land where they have their land and that's really their their like power and what they're able to negotiate with the thing is that th- there should be there should be some sort of respect and decency though right uh like there's that Alberta minister that's saying that uh, now that the corona is happening, more than 15 people can't protest. Uh, let's build a pipeline now while nobody can come and say anything to us, right? Uh, other things are like, uh, I think years ago when swine flu was a thing, uh, the, the indigenous reserves, they got sent uh, body bags instead of any other sort of supplies. That happened in the US too right now, I think with corona, uh, with the reserves there as well. So at the, at, at the smallest level, there should be some sort of respect and decency, right? To provide the proper supplies and not something like body 
body bags. But one last thing, even with the like multiculturalism act in Canada, minorities like Apne are celebrated for coming to Canada, making this a multicultural country. But people that have already been here prior to that multiculturalism act, prior to the 1970s, so pretty much black and indigenous people, they don't get that same multicultural treatment. Yet the same instance that indigenous people don't have members of parliament, they don't have political representation. The same thing is said with black people. Why? Because they've already been here. The country doesn't want to uh, pretty much celebrate these people. And pretty much because, you know, black people have been here as a part of slavery. Indigenous people are here because we colonized them, right? So those two groups of people, I don't think the government really wants to celebrate that as a part of their multiculturalism, right? Whereas we came here, right, as immigrants. So we're more celebrated. Not even just Canada about indigenous people, but in general, like uh, the police systems and everything, you have to basically like rebuild them from ground up, I'd say, right? Like that's the only way. That's why people are riding out there. That's why people are doing all this because they're saying the system that's in place right now is not working. We need to change the whole system. And like, it's a big change and people don't want it to change because it's like, we don't know what's going to happen, right? But you have to, at, one, at some point, you're going to have to change everything because it's not working right now. We're also the worst, and also in Australia, I think two of the worst countries when it comes to the treatment of indigenous people. To fix that, you legit, we need people in power that like are ready to change these systems and don't benefit from it in the first place, right? Like that's the problem, right? We benefit from it. Like everyone that's not black people or indigenous people basically benefits from it in some way. And we, to keep it in place, it's beneficial for us, especially for white people. And like, until they don't get rid of it, like it's not going to, there's not going to be a difference. And like, like you're saying, like we have to start, like what's the system a product of, right? It's a product of colonization, right? Like that's pretty much where the, like the system started, even like the West, even all these developed countries, how are they so developed? How do they have such a head start, right? Look, look at all the colonial countries. Like look, look at where they're at compared to the rest of the countries. Like India, historically, India is one of the most advanced, uh, advanced uh, civilizations, right? And then we get colonized then we'll work we're called a third world country right and there's pretty much yeah man all it starts starts with colonialism man colonialism and white supremacy that's like the root of a lot of evil in this world the question i have is how do we fix this right like i get all of the systematic oppression all of the oppression that's happened over time right but now we're at a point where it's like okay we can keep talking about that or we can fix it there's way more things that we can talk about there's a lot of other topics that we can talk about in terms of oppression like even even as simple as like food how African-Americans or people who are in poverty, it's more affordable to buy junk food than it is to buy nutritious, good food. And then those people are going back and they're having to pay their medical bills where they are getting to this point because they can't afford good food. They don't have gardens. They don't have any of that. So there's a level of education that also needs to come with that where they also enjoy eating this food. Like some of these cultures as well, it's not cool to eat healthy. It's not cool to do that. They would rather eat McDonald's. They would rather eat, drink Coke and all of that stuff. So there's so much, so many ways of oppression that come about and tackling all of them is definitely something that's very hard, but it's something that we need to start thinking about because if we don't, we're going to be sitting right here a hundred years from now, 200 years from now, 400 years from now, and the same stuff is going to be going on. That's the hardest part of it, right? Finding the solution. And the only solution like that I can think, or like I see is that we have to rebuild from ground up. We have to like rebuild the whole system, right? Cause the system is mess and people don't want that. People don't want that whole change disrupting their lives. Like it's how they've been living. So we're going to change that whole system, but like how it's been going, that's, like there's no other way man right you can't we can't have more people dying we can't have more people we can't have all this stupid ass shit happening right it's fucked the thing to think about it's this system's not that old right it's only like 400 500 years old 
that the system is. So in a hundred years, if we think about it, if we had a proper system set up in a hundred years, you can totally change the system, right? So there is hope, there is possibility. There is a lot of stuff that can happen if it's done in the right way. So I know Jaskirith had a few other topics, but it doesn't feel right to talk about anything else this week. So that's going to conclude our podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a little more of a serious podcast this week, but I think it was necessary considering the time we are in. And hopefully we start thinking about something, some sort of a better solution. So that's all for this week. So thank you guys again for listening and please subscribe, like, share, and do whatever you guys do to make our podcast grow. And thank you and have a nice day. Bye.